Well, as we continue to pay tribute to uh, the late, great Evil Knievel, the Evil Knievel Museum, available for your viewing pleasure in Topeka, Kansas. All the uh, real evil gear is there, including uh, Big Red, the uh, the Mack truck and trailers. And uh, do you remember, Tony, uh, it was a number of years ago, we had Evil on, and uh, I, I had this brilliant idea Yeah. to, to bring uh, both Evil and, and Robbie on the show at the same time to try to put the two of them together and put aside differences, and it broke down in how many minutes? Count them. One, two, uh, three. Like one. <laughs> and it was about 90 seconds in when they got started at each other's throats. And um, the f bombs were flying. Yep, the, yep. We couldn't air it. Yeah. What was it? Um, it was like uh, uh, tastes great, less filling. Only it was using f words and, and s words, and it was just awful. And I felt bad, but they still hadn't talked. They didn't talk even after Evil died. How about that? Or before he died? They didn't talk. <laughs> it it, it, ha say, it no, happens in motorcycling families, same <laughs> as every other kind of family. The unfortunately, the Roberts have had uh, similar troubles. I still talk with Robbie periodically. Robbie lives out of a, uh, a motor home. He has no permanent residency. Um, mail is sent to his mom's house, and he picks it up periodically. But he'll live for a month or two in Las Vegas, and it goes on to Phoenix, and it goes on to Florida. And I'll say, what are you doing today? He said, I'm going to jump a 1,000 trucks. He said, how many are you jumping today? I said, I have never jumped a truck. He said, good. Anyway. I've jumped a truck, but and I've jumped over trucks. Actually, you know what? When I was with the Toyota Hollywood Stunt Show, I jumped trucks. Did you really? You remember that? Yeah. I remember when you were with the, the show, but I didn't know you jumped. I knew you were doing Super. two wheels and, th and wheelies. and. Yeah, yeah. We jumped over, I jumped over like, I don't know, 10 cars, 10 Toyotas or something, and some of them were trucks. And then we had a ramp, and I know we got Robbie Bobby on, but we had a ramp that went from the top of this Toyota T100. This is how long it was, how long ago. It was in the 90s. The ramp was fixed, and it went from the top of the T100, and it, went, it was a straight ramp. It went back to the to the tailgate of the uh, uh, of the truck, and then dragged on the back of the ground. And they ratchet strapped this thing in super tight, and they had like a little jig that held it in there. And so they would drag this board, and they would go down. We'd, we'd do like um, horse tracks and like you know big arenas or whatever, and we would they would be dragging this thing. They'd set the crews at forty five miles an hour. And if you think it didn't take guts, you're wrong. Because they would set this thing, and I was on an RM250. They'd wow. set the crews at 45 miles an hour. No, I would hit this thing as fast as my RM250 would go, and the guy had his foot hovering over the brake, but he was like, honestly, you're you're about six foot from the from when the front of my truck. So if you screw up, I'm running over you. You gotta land on the gas. Every single time. Joey, Land on the, the gas. Right. Yeah. Jo jo Joey Chitwood, by the way, Joey Chitwood gave his guys seven feet, so you were running a risk. Actually, Joey Chitwood was a, was a part of this show originally, and then they spun he off and did their own he deal. He broke off because yeah. he couldn't get along. Uh, let's go to Robbie, Robbie Bobby McClendon. Rob, how are you, buddy? Man, I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're still pumped up after the uh, Travis Pastrana show on the History Channel pulling over three million viewers at any given point. Uh, and and what it did for motorcycling, we mostly think it was a positive. Your thoughts, real quick? Uh, yeah, I think anything to do with motorcycling is awesome. Uh, adds into the fact that he essentially did it on a dirt track bike, makes it even cooler. And for everything I've ever seen about Travis Pastrana, just says he's a cool dude anyway. So I think it's pretty much positive all the way around. You got some guys that get all butt hurt because he wasn't on a Harley or he wasn't on a Triumph. I'll get over it. Exactly. Hey. Although Indian Indian gave him some cool bikes. <laughs> well, and here's oh, no and here's something else that you could say. You guys weren't out there doing it on your bike. I didn't see you out there. Exactly. Exactly. The other manufacturers could have stepped up. Indian uh, took another swing at Harley, and for all intents and purposes, it looked like they knocked him out. Yeah, boy. 
Seriously yep. though, man, Indian is just like all right. They're much, on fire. How much beating can you put on Harley Davidson? Because you've just well, taken away. Did you away see like, what they did? They're moving all manufacturing out of Kansas City. Over eight hundred jobs wow. lost. They're moving all production over across the seas. And don't tell me it's all because of Trump. They're is. moving the. They're moving. You're talking about Harley Davidson. Yes, they're moving yeah. production for the motorcycles that are not that are that are being exported anyway. Right. Just I get so you that. know, but I mean, I'm, I'm but just, we're not exporting those eight hundred jobs. Now we got to get those jobs, jobs at uh, guys, jobs at craft or wherever they're going to work. I get it down in Kansas City. Either way, uh, I don't think they're doing themselves any favor. They're taking a back seat to the you know the the, the newly run Budweiser sold out to some Belgium company. But you I'm know not why? drinking Budweiser because they because ha- they had to stay in business. Well, they had to stay in business. They had to feed them damn horses. Let's go back to Robbie Bobby. Robbie, uh, first of all, welcome back to the show. You've had your toe in many ponds over the years as a promoter a racer, a mechanic, and crew chief. Is there a part of your career that you have revered the most? Not really. If it's got two wheels, I'm pretty excited to do it. Um, I do love the racing aspect. So if it's flat track, road race, supermoto, whether I'm racing or wrenching or promoting, I'm having a good time. So, um, yeah, if I can make a little bit of money, that's obviously that's obviously the best part. But generally, it's for the love of the sport. Rob, you, are, you continue to be... Uh it seems more and more involved in flat track. And I wanted to amend my uh, early statement at the beginning of the show. We were talking about Mr. Jared Mees, and I'm sure you're well aware, hitting what we're, we call it a grand slam still, right, Rob? Even though he hasn't won a road race, we're still calling it a dirt track grand slam. Is that the right way to refer to it? Yeah, yeah, but essentially. He, he technically got one last year because they call Atlanta a short track, and I gave him crap about that too because a 3 eighth mile isn't really a short track, but you got to give him credit. He won at New York. It was basically the shortest track they've got. You can't take any way, anything away from him. As much as I personally would love to kick him right square between the legs, you cannot deny the dude's motivation and his, his skill as of late, for sure. You said kick or lick? <laughs> no. He said kick. Nice. Oh, okay, good. I kick. Kick. Well, kick with K. And I wanted to add, uh, so if we're talking about dirt track Grand Slams versus what the, the world used to call a Grand Slam, where you had to win a road race on top of all those flat track races, if uh, if you call it the dirt track Grand Slam, we got to add Carr and Springsteen to my previous list of four, which was Mann, Robert, Schobert, and Chandler. There were actually six, now seven, that have done the dirt track Grand Slam. And we'll actually add Joe Leonard in there for that matter. Yep, for sure. I think... Uh if, if somebody can pry J.D. Beach away from the road courses, he would be the next to do the actual grand. The plan. legit. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't see Jared Meese putting on a road race suit anytime soon. I'd, I'd love to see it, but to actually get a, a win against those guys is, is going to be next to impossible. But I do see J.D. Beach being uh, – being able to, to capable do it. of doing it absolutely and he he when he puts his mind to a flat tracker i mean everybody in the flat track uh paddock pays attention because the guy can absolutely rail on a flat tracker oh no doubt he's, he's incredible so who all are you working with uh professionally right now as we know you've got you've had involvement this season with a number of flat trackers and a whole crew of road racers too right yeah, man, I'm actually, uh, this season, I'm kind of like a freelance guy. Whoever needs me, uh, they've kind of asked me if I'm available, I'll go to them. Um, started out the season with Corey Texter, um, pretty much dominated in Daytona, um, the uh, Steve Nace series. Then we struggled a little bit on the TT. Um, I started helping out Cameron Smith, who has been absolutely a joy to work with. Uh, he's a little green in the racecraft department, but... He's got 120% in the desire to win. 
and do better. So, uh, so he's been good to work with. I've helped out Bronson Bauman. Um, I went to Springfield. Um, I wasn't technically a part of a team with the Factory Harley guys, but I was there uh, giving uh, my little brother Jared Vandercoy and Sammy Halbert some uh, some just kind of pit strategy type stuff. Um, and to be honest, man, if any of the racers out there came to ask me something, I would be more than happy to help them out. Um, I just want to see all my friends do well. So like a man, friend, chauffeur type situation or? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it could be. Um, I, I mean, they have to put up with me as much as I had to put up with them. So I don't know if it's too much of a chauffeur. So to speak. <laughs> Guy Friday like type deal. Yeah, I'm not like a UTO or a, or a Lorenzo Butler, so to speak. You know, I'm not going to, uh, you know, hand them their racing underwear or anything. The, the Uchio uh, is, do you, have you to, nailed it. Yeah, I'm not playing Uchio anytime soon. Do I have to be a pro no. and do I have to go to the races to, to hire you to do some of these things? Because <laughs> I could use, I'm a lonely guy. <laughs> jet ski could <laughs> use a good well, cleaning. A jet ski, I got a jet ski now. It needs hey, a good. Hey, we took care of it, uh, yeah. kind of. I'm, I'm not very pretty and my hands are pretty rough, so I don't think you're going to want me to do anything other than help you with the pit. Wow. Uh, he might ask wow. you for he Jack, might ask can we you edit the program rubber. at all though, this week? Can we go ahead and edit that? Okay. No? Did you, <laughs> I got, just got a you message from John Ulrich. He will be on the show the, next how week. How did you manage to photobomb Brayton's victory in Daytona? Oh, man, that was an awesome, awesome, awesome deal. Um, so we might have had a few drinks that night leading up to the race. I was with, uh, I was with Bronson, um, his girlfriend, Alex. And we were watching the race, and we're like, well, hey, let's go let's go on the track. So we get on the track, and we get kicked off the track pretty much immediately because they don't like it when you try and jump the finish line, jump walking it. <laughs> so we're walking, and somehow we end up hmm. behind the stage. And I'm like, damn, look, there's the stage. And they're all escorting people up the stage. So you're kinda like- um, I'm like, man, I'm going to go up there. And I kid you not, some dude's like, you won't go up there. And I was like, man, Watch I'll me. do it. And he said, he said, I'll give you 100 bucks if you go up there. And I said, dude, I'll do it right now. He said, no, no, you got to peek out of the curtain. So I was like, oh. So I go up there, and I pretend like I'm helping the camera dude up there. The camera dude doesn't know. So the camera dude has no clue. I start calling him Jonathan. He's like, that's not my name, but I'm pretending like I know him, and I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be there. So me and, and Jonathan are going up the stage, and I open up the curtain, and then here comes the dude with the headset on, like trying to shoot me away. And I'm pointing over to Jonathan, who's not really Jonathan. And so, long story short, I make my way out on stage at the perfect time. And so I'm scoping the crowd out, looking for my hundred bucks. And uh, oh. ended up paying me fifty. Oh, so you you went all in. You, you got robbed, oh. Jonathan. By the way, he's up next hour on uh, hour number two of the program. <laughs> Wondering who that so stalker was. That. And you're holding like, a uh, cable that's an imaginary cable because now they're wireless cameras. <laughs> Of course. Right. I literally had nothing but a drink in my hand and a smile <laughs> on my face and talking to Jonathan. Jonathan. So uh, <laughs> to make it even better, though, I after the event, I walk and we're waiting for Brayton to come back because he has like 30 minutes of interviews. So I go to his crew guys and uh, tell them the story and show them the picture. And so they give me the plate right off his bike and then he signs it. So it's, it's oh, like sweet. 100% legit. Love it. Love it. We're talking, uh, of course, with Robbie Bobby. You know him as uh, Rob McClendon. And uh, don't you, your family has a go-to shop down in Florida, right? Yeah, we sell, uh, well, we work on everything, but we sell all the European stuff like Prime, Ducati, Aprilia, Vespa, you know, all that jazz. That's probably good because that stuff needs to be worked on quite a bit, right? 
Oh, well, I mean, we actually work on more Jeff stuff than the Ducati stuff, believe it or not, lately. <laughs> sure <laughs> we're getting jabs in there. <laughs> I'm just, I'm but, just uh, jabbing you a bit, man. No, I, got, I, I can take it, man. I, <laughs> I told Chris, man, I want you guys to throw me some hardballs. Don't lob me any of these softballs tonight. Yeah, but that's not Chris's decision. Uh, okay. Was, uh, Bishop sure. doesn't call the shots on Let's the show. Let's talk about how he you books pissed the off racer parents at every event you've held. What's that? Pissed off racer parents at every event you've held. Oh yeah, let's talk about it. Let's it's not an, <laughs> it's not an event if you don't piss them off, right, Tony? I mean, yeah. you haven't actually had a race unless somebody's parents are mad. Yeah, that never happens, there's, Tony. There's parents out there that you could hand them a hundred dollar bill going out the gate, and they would still cuss you because it wasn't broken up into two fifties or twenties. Or it wasn't well, crisp. Enough, actually, or... you've embarrassed them because you just doubled their income. Yeah. It's oh man, folded it, wrong. It's it, it kind of hectic. <laughs> yeah no matter what you do you're always picking on their little snowflake angel baby so here's the good and news they know it. most of the time i'll call them out in the riders meeting i have no problem with that mm. and and the <laughs> that's best not way popular to that is to embarrass them by the group michael so, you with the rat tail stop it okay yeah exactly or the <laughs> exactly. easy one is can you imagine earl Hay hayden saying what you just said and everyone goes silent can you imagine earl hayden yep. saying that 20 years ago no, I, no one can imagine that. I, I've, I'm always like, up against the clock, fellas. Uh, I've got to cut you off. I'm sorry, and that's uh, that's All what right. I do. Hey, it's always good to talk to you, Robbie Bobby. God bless you. Uh, I'm on yeah, fire, sir. Robbie Bobby. I'm on fire. <laughs> I just right. watched right. it again. I can't get away from okay. that movie. Thanks, Rob. Talladega Nights. Help you out. Rob, thanks oh, so yeah. much. Robbie McClendon has been our guest. Have this portion time. of the show brought to you by our good friends at Hicklin Power Sports. Hour number two is going to be brought to you by Wiseco. Uh, but we do want to thank Chris Ulrich. He has texted Chris, uh, and Chris will get the number, uh, so we will have a great contact and a great guest for next week you can uh, grow to expect. And that, of course, is Chris's pop. Okay, John Ulrich will be joining us next week. Ryan Sipes, want to thank him, and, of course, Robbie Bobby. Thanks to each and every one of you. For Tommy Boy Halverson, Chris Bishop, Jack and Leon De Leon, our very able-bodied producers, Fred Kulenkamp, Tony Wink, Roman Davide, P.J. Duran. I'm Scott Casper. Hour number two of the big programs coming up next. This is America's Motor Racing Talk Show, Pit Pass Motor Racing Weekly. I'm Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 